You are listening to the Wool Academy podcast. This is episode number 53. Hello and welcome. My name is Elizabeth van Delden and once a week we talk to an industry expert from the wool industry supply chain from farm to fashion and beyond, delivering strategies and insights to be successful in wool and showcasing those beautiful stories wool has to tell. Today's guest is Isaac Stutz. Isaac is the general manager of Wool and Mohair at BKB in South Africa. Welcome, Isaac. How are you today? It's great to have you on the show. Good afternoon, Elizabeth. Very nice to meet you. Talk to you as well. Thank you so much for your time. Time, And I would like to ask you to just introduce yourself and explain to us the work that you do in the wool industry. As, as you said, my name is Isaac Staats. Uh, I'm the general manager of Wool and Moe at BKB. Uh, BKB is a wool brokerage company in South Africa. We handle about two-thirds of the wool coming into South, coming out of South Africa and Lesotho. And we handle about half of the Moe coming out of Southern Africa. And uh, the services that we give to our customers is we, we right from on farm level, we, we shear the sheep, we run... As far as I know, the biggest shearing service in the world with about two and a half thousand shearers. Uh, and then we class the, the, the sheep for the farmer so, so we can improve the genetic material of the sheep. And then we bring it to the, to the harbor in Port Elizabeth where we, where we put it on auction and we sell it for our customers. And then we ship it for the buyers into all the international destinations where we has to go to. And what then exactly is your job at BKB? Um, I manage this whole process uh, from 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 the, the the people working in the field. We've got about 60 people working in the field, looking after our farmers. Uh, we've got the two and a half thousand shearers, another 300 working in the warehouse, and all of these people report to me to make sure that everything that that has to do with wool at BKB, uh, wool and moe at BKB, falls under me. Do you have a, a number of how many farmers you actually serve with all your services? Yes, we do. Uh, we serve 8,000 farmers. Eight, eight, uh, we, we, we divide the farmers into two groups. Commercial farmers, so that's farmers, let's say, with, with more than, than 200 sheep. Uh, there's 9,500 commercial wool farmers left in South Africa, of which we serve 8,000. And then we serve another 55,000 um, emerging farmers, small farmers, anything from one sheep, yeah, I'd even say one sheep and, and less. Um, so our, our, our smallest customer sends us 700 grams of wool and our biggest customer sends us a million kilograms of wool. Oh yeah, I think I remember you telling me once that you can actually pay someone for their wool who just brings you 700 grams of wool and that's probably like a pet sheep um, sheep's wool isn't it that's right so <laughs> I, I, that's one of the that's one of the the, the our system our systems are very powerful and it was it was developed a long time ago when most of the sheep farmers in South Africa was quite small um, so so I, you know we, we handle about 31 32 million kilograms of wool in a year and and even in that system we we, we can look after a 700 gram customer as an individuals, individual, so that wool comes to us in a shoebox or a or a plastic bag or whatever way, and all of that we can handle all all of the variations that that's, that's possible to come to us. <laughs> that's amazing. And you, before we started this interview, you were telling me that the 
first bull of the season is starting to come into your warehouse and I once had the chance of you showing me around your big warehouse in Port Elizabeth. For anyone who has never been to a wool warehouse, can you describe a little bit how such a warehouse actually works and is organized? So warehouse, warehouse, our warehouse is, is divided into two main divisions. Okay, in the first place, it, it's quite a big area. So the warehouse, the total storage area is, is 11 hectares of storage space. Um, wool, the, the normal wool, and if I say normal wool, it's wool coming in in a bale. Uh, every, every bale, there's 230,000 bales coming through the system every year. Gets a unique number. It gets tested by the Wool Testing Bureau, which is an independent authority. And then we dump the wool, in, in, uh, so in, uh, we, we compress it to reduce the volume of the bales, and put it into storage. And from there, from there, it gets packed into containers of after after being sold. Uh, on a parallel process, the wool that doesn't come in on bales needs to be sorted. We sort we sort quite a lot of wool in a in a year, and and that we put in what into what we call our bins, and again that gets pressed into bales and put onto auction again. And the last time I was visiting you, you were showing me some of the automation that you were putting in place to make the warehouse. I guess more efficient, but also what you said earlier that you kind of always know where which wool is at what time. Can you explain a little bit how you invested in this area? Yes, the main technology that we're looking up at is RFID technology. So what that means is a it's a computer chip that can be read at a distance with with radio frequencies. Um, and, and it's it's actually very exciting technology. So for what we get in the warehouse out of it is that we, we are able to track every bell as it as it goes along. Um, in terms of automation, um, the computer is is making this decisions of where every bell should go. Um, and that saves us. We we've we've been counting the the number of human interactions that we've been taking out of our system, and we've we've already taken out 15 human interactions out of our system. So in terms of automation, it's 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 working very well. We, we're very excited about what we're seeing, how it's coming through into the system. And then we're looking at the, at the next phase now is stock taking. Um, that's that's also very exciting. So we do it, it, at any time, the warehouse can have up to 90,000 bells in the warehouse. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a big area, so it's, it's not that difficult to lose a bell. Uh, and and with this kind of technology, you can actually you can actually plot where the bell is is put into stock, and and then parallel to that, we're we're running we're doing investigation into into traceability. So I think and I think that's going to be the real value of of having a computer chip on every bell, because then it, it's going to be easy enough for for everybody in the supply chain to track a bell to see where it came from right from the farm, um, all the way through the through the value chain. And by being able to track your wool, is that also a consideration why you are looking into the responsible wool standard? Well, I, I think, you know, all of these things talk to each other. The responsible wool standard, um, there, there's a lot of tracking and tracing going on into the responsible wool standard. You know, if, if you expect your farmer to, to go through all the trouble, and it is a lot of trouble and a lot of hard work, to, to comply to the standard, or it's not that hard to, difficult to comply to the standard, but the paperwork is, is quite involved. 
then you need to make sure that it that it's easy for the rest of the supply chain to 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 keep those wools together so that so that in the end he can the producer can earn a premium for those wools. Um, you know, so I, I think the, the the conversations that we keep on having at the IWTO, all of this talks about uh, you know uh, traceability, um, you know governance. Um, what where does the wool come from? And and the, the, the whole thing about electronics and and RFID and and the Internet of Things is that all of this all of this becomes just so much closer to each other. The the, the producer comes closer to the end user, and I think that's what we want in the end. Yeah, that's true, and and it's important to keep um, up to date with all these technologies. Um, so it's good that you're making these huge investments in this area as well. Yes, it's exciting. I think the, the wool industry is so old. You know, if if I look at this system, the system here has been running for the past, let's say, for the past seventy years with nothing. And I think it's quite exciting to be be able to be put into a position where you can still improve on a 70-year-old system. Yeah, that's true. There's always room for innovations, even in an old industry like like the wool industry. <laughs> And tell me, with the responsible wool standards, where are you at at the moment? We've actually received our certificate this week. Uh, we've we've opted for the congratulations. <laughs> So we're quite proud of it. Um, it's 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 been a long process. It's we've been busy now for a year to 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 get to to this stage. Um, so we've got we've got 33 customers um, signed up now, or having gone through the audit process. Um, it's about 500 tons of wool that that's available in the market. We've actually sold our our first certified RWS wool in the auction today, and. Um, I have to say we, we, we got we got a nice premium for it, so we, we're grateful for that. Um, but it is a lot of work. Um, the, the textile exchange are having their conference um, this week in, in America, and you know they, they I don't see it, it be becoming a, a very big standard or a, or a widely adapted standard if we don't if we do not simplify the whole process and, and making it easier for farmers to comply because they they do comply all of all of the customers or most of the customers that I work with comply with the standard but how do you prove it and, and that that proving part of it seems to be seems to be very difficult mm, okay yeah now it's interesting for to hear uh, you speak like really from the ground having Made, now worked with it for a year, so having this first feedback is very interesting. But I would like to move on to the actual wool, because obviously South Africa is a very large country with very different climates, climates and vegetation. Can you? Is there a difference between the wool coming from the different regions? And if yes, how is the wool different? Yes, it's it's these, the differences are quite pronounced. Um, our main production areas is is the Cape area, or what what we would I would guess um, it's quite like the wheat wheat belt in in Australia. Um, shorter wool, they shear six months. Uh, very high production, uh, eight to nine kilograms a sheep. Uh, then we move on to the Karoo region, uh, very dry, but beautiful beautiful wools, um, very high. Very, very high clean yield, uh, very healthy wool. Many of them still shears 12 months, um, but very, very dry, especially this year. I've had customers that, that had a total of 28 millimeters for the year. 
Um, so, so a very um, challenging area to farm in. And then we have the Free State, uh, more grassy plains, uh, also a high production area. But the most most wool farmers in South Africa comes from the Free State region. Uh, a lot of grass, uh, and, and and especially in a year like this, we had a lot of a lot of uh, vegetable matter in 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 these wools. And then the final area of the, the we've got an area in, in the Mpumalanga where we produce in the maize area. So again, a different area because those farmers uh, have they run their sheep on their on their maize their maize fields. Um, so you get lower uh, clean yield. And then we we also have a big component out of the Siskai Transkai, our emerging farmers. So it's small farmers, um, all kinds of wool, all, all the kinds of wool that you that you can think of comes from there and uh, so very small producers and then again from Lesotho high in the mountains uh, some a, a bit more dusty long nice and clean healthy 12 month wool uh, 20 micron very very nice wools and and very very it's a very healthy flock running in this uh, and I, yeah, I was actually curious about Lesotho you say it I say Lesotho but you say Lesotho Lesotho, yes. okay. Um, yeah, can you tell us a little bit more about the wool industry in Lesotho? Okay, it's 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 a, Lesotho is a small country. Uh, we we get about there's about five million kilograms of wool coming from there and one and a half million kilograms of Maui coming out of Lesotho. Uh, a very mountainous country, high high mountains, lots of mountain passes. Um, and, and small farmers, so Lesotho is organized into into um, sharing sheds, as they call it, uh, or communal sharing sheds where, where, where communities bring their sheep to be shorn. And the whole logistical system is based on these sharing sheds. So it's it's like a river that little trickles comes from the sharing sheds and it goes into bulking sheds and it goes into bigger bulking sheds and then, then it comes to BKB. So, uh, but very people, people are very, very passionate about their sheep. Uh, it's actually a law in Lesotho that, that they are only allowed to, to have merino sheep and only white merino sheep. So they, they're very strict about about having that. Um, know their sheep very, very well. Um, some, some of this actually something to see how the sheep, for many of those people, the sheep are more more pets than they are, than they are production animals. So, and, and you know, it's, and it's, and, and some of it is very... It's very like in, in, I'd say maybe 200, 300 years ago, people still farmed the sheep like this, and and many of the Lesotho farmers still still farm like that. Um, so it's actually something to go and see the amount of trouble that they go through to send wool to us. And do you know the history of how the merino sheep actually got to Lesotho? It, it was brought in. It was brought in by by the English government uh, when when we still had a, a, a colonial government in South Africa. Um, yeah, I, I don't know much more of that. What I what I do know is that that um, they the, one of the interesting things about about Lesotho is that if you if you look up Lesotho on the internet, you'll always find find the Lesotho uh, people from Lesotho like wearing blankets, and there's a whole history from these blankets. And, and the first blanket, and it's it has to be wool. Um, those blankets are 80 to 90 percent wool. And uh, the first blanket was given to the Lesotho king Mushwesh from from an English king, and because the Lesotho king liked the blanket, it became it became kind of the like the national 
the national clothing of, of Lesotho. So even today, it's the it's their formal workwear, um, and if they want to honor you, they give you a, a blanket. So it seems somehow the merino sheep and wool was like somehow fit perfectly into the Lesotho culture, and they just like adapted it and made it their own culture. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for many people, actually, when you go into the mountains, you'll find people only only wearing a blanket, mm -hmm. you know, blanket pair of shoes. So it's a it's a it's a very interesting. And those blankets needs to be needs to be watertight, so because Lesotho can can become you know it snows a lot. Mm -hmm. So it's a it's a it's a very practical thing to wear in Lesotho. Um, I, I think water is actually the uh, uh, um, wool is actually the the second or the third biggest export. Okay. Often. Yeah. After water, water is their first export in diamonds. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a nice um, first three exporting goods, all very important and valuable to all of us. And I also heard the story that there are a lot of, lots of shearers that work also within South Africa actually come from Lesotho. Um, is there also, do you know the story behind that, why there are so many skilled wool shearers coming from Lesotho? Yes, that's something that we started at BKB uh, 20 or 25 years ago. Uh, the the Lesotho people are, are natural stock stockmen. They just know sheep very, very well. Um, and, 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 and shearing being, the other thing that's interesting is that the shearing is a, is a, is a occupation where you move around a lot. It's a migratory occupation, uh, just like mining in South Africa. So uh, South Africa gets a lot of its, of, of its labor from, from from the Sutu. Um, they love sheep. They, they, they're, they're very nice people to work with. Um, our farmers our farmers have a real liking for them. Um, so so they just they just naturally fit into our system. And did BKB like help train these um, Lizutu people or are those yes. skills that they also trained themselves on? Um, we, we train we trained we do a lot of training. Um, especially on the, on the sheep, on the wool classing side, um, the shearing training. Uh, usually, a team a team will come in in, in family. They'll come out as a family or a, a group of friends, and usually we have one or two guys in the team that that the team is is training for for the next year. Um, so and we support them. We've we've got full time instructors going around to the teams, making sure that they that they share on a on a sufficient level. So it's a it's a it's a full time job to train shearers. We we never stop with that. Ah, oh, okay. That's and that's also a good message to send out, I guess, to the responsible rule standard, etc. That that also in that area you you look after high animal welfare and high standards in caring for well, the sheep. Uh, I think one of the one of the the, the things that the the responsible wool standard um, alerted us to is that if you if you need to you need to prove that everybody working with sheep is competent to work with with sheep. So and so it's it's been a big process now for us to to go from team to team and certify them and actually grade them and make sure that they are competent shearers. Um, and do training, but you know, I, I think that's actually that's been one of the very good points of, of uh, AWS and, and the ZQ standard as well. Okay, yeah, there's always like, uh, even if you might have been at first against a, a new standard, there's always also positive things that come out of it, I guess. Yeah, you know, a, a fresh pair of eyes um, is never a waste. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
So I, 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 I don't agree with everything that they say and do, uh, but but I've, I've I've learned quite a lot from it. So um, I, I think in the end. We'll get to a we'll get to a working solution. <laughs> Excellent. And another program that you talked to me about when I was visiting was that you have a program where you work with deaf people. Um, talk to me a little bit about that program. Okay, so deaf people are very very uniquely suited to our industry. Um, they've got a better feeling in their hands, obviously. Um, They, if if they're working, they obviously they, they they talk with their hands, so they either work or talk. So that's that's a that's a that's something that's interesting that's happening. And we we find we find that they deaf people in South Africa, it's difficult to employ them. Or they they get employment difficult. Uh, or they find employment difficult. So um, we've started we started training them the past past three four years, and uh, we've actually put put them on a formal training program. Uh, as, as far as I know, um, we, we're the only ones in the world that's doing what we're currently doing. Uh, when, when we started this, we, we had the training company phone around universities and all over the world to see what what people are doing and uh, you know if they can assist us. And, and in the end, we we had to do our own thing. And we currently we've got 45 deaf people working in our warehouse, and um, they're wonderful workers. Uh, they're wonderful to have in our system. And, and, and I think they, they like they like the consistency of the job. You know what 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 what's interesting about them is what other people would find irritating. You know, doing the same thing every day, deaf people likes. They like doing if, if they like doing the same thing over and over again, and they and they like doing it well. So it's a it's it's really really nice people to work with. And they grade the wool, or do you say class the wool? I don't, it always depends on each country. Yeah, well, they well they sort the sort wool. The That's wool. one of the, <laughs> yes, they sort the wool. Mm -hmm. um, one or two of them has actually uh, advanced now to being what we call wool checkers. So the checker is the person checking that the wool sorter is is sorting it um, as as it's supposed to as it's supposed to be. Um, and then we've got just general workers, people people driving forklifts or or you know doing doing general general work that's that warehouse. And tell me, Isaac, did you work all your life in the wool industry, or did you join when you um, started at BKB? No, I started as a. I've, I've been I've been in the fertilizer industry before I started working for for BKB. So um, I've been I've been playing catch up the last five years. So it's it's very very difficult to 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 um, to play catch up with people that's been working in the industry for 20, 25 years or 30 years. So uh, I need to I need to study at night and I still do, um, <laughs> but I still feel like much more of a I, I, yeah I still feel like much more of a fertilizer expert than a wool expert. But I'm, I'm I don't think I'm yeah I, I I've picked up one or two things at least in the past five years. No, but yeah, I because so. I was just going to compliment you that um, you have so many interesting stories to tell about South African wool that it seems you have been working in the industry all your life and but then i would like to ask you the question like what like now that you've got yourself so much involved in wool what fascinates you about wool or about the industry sure a lot of things um you know i, I think that i'm i told people this week I'm, i'm so privileged to to be in an industry where i can still get up in the morning and say today we need to we need to make this better 
you know, so there's 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 so much we still can do to improve the wool, the the production of the sheep. Um, you know, that that excites me a lot. Um, the people in the wool industry is just something else. You know, I, I I've never found an industry with with so much passion. So that's that's a big privilege to have this kind of people working with us and and for us. So it's a it's it, that's that's very very exciting. Um, and then you know, agriculture in general is in a is in a great place at the moment. I I think you know we we're only now starting to 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 apply the technologies that that's available. This this whole new Internet of Things that that's happening in the world around us. It's it's so exciting, um, and, and I can see so much uses for it for it in the wool industry or in the sheep in, industry in general. Oh, that yeah, I I can see that that's really fulfilling that all. Every day, as you say, every day you can improve something and make the wool industry as a whole, but also at BKB better. And all you've already traveled quite a bit now within South Africa for wool, but also abroad. And is there a certain experience or a moment that you enjoyed most what, during your career now in the wool industry? Sure, every experience is, is was something special. Is something special. Um, I, I last week I had the privilege to travel to 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 Nadek, to to the Malin for Moriano, and and I have to say it's impressive. Um, it's, it's a massive building. It's being run um, very very impressively. Um, China for me was 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 in in many ways a a, a wonderful culture shock. Um, you know, so it, the Chinese people, the way they work and the way they think is just you know it's 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 actually hugely impressive. So for me, that's the that's the two things that that stood out. Uh, well, again, the people we've been I've been meeting people that that's just that, you know that's just awesome. <laughs> yeah, actually, this morning I was talking to Klaus Steger um, from Südwolle, and he said the same that for him, it's the passion of the people working in wool that excites him the most. <laughs> so I think yeah. we all feel that working in wool. Well, thank you so much, Isaac, for your time and sharing all these stories about BKB and also about um, South Africa, as well as Lesotho. And where can our listeners find out more about BKB? Where should they go? We have a website, uh, www.bkb.co.za. Uh, there's also a Facebook page that you can like. Yeah, yeah, that's the two places that you can have a look at. Excellent. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. I will make sure to um, link to the BKB website and also the social media outlets in the show notes so that it's really easy to find and connect with you. I wish you much success with all the exciting work that's going on over at BKB and I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hopefully you enjoyed hearing so many interesting stories about the South African wool industry. If you want to find out more about BKB, then head on over to the show notes where you can find all the links mentioned in today's episode. Visit elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 053. Once again, elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 053. One quick tip for you. 
Today I have put together a wool calendar 2018 as a free download on my website. The wool calendar 2018 is a document that includes all relevant wool dates, fairs and events throughout the year 2018 as far as they are already available. This calendar can help you plan your 2018 and get you prepared for your social media activities as well as your travel well in advance. Download the calendar over at elizabethvandelden.com forward slash bool minus industry minus calendar minus 2018. That is indeed a complicated link, so here it is once again. Visit elizabethvandelden.com forward slash bool minus industry minus calendar minus 2018. But I will also make it available on the homepage of my website so that it's much easier to find. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week and bye for now.